morning. I have to say, it, it is just a, it's a tremendous joy to be with you guys every week. It really is for me. So I hope the same is the same for you. Um, like I said earlier, it's Transfiguration Sunday. Has anybody ever been to a Transfiguration Sunday? This is probably my first. Um, transfigure is a strange word. It just simply means to transform, to change, uh, metamorphosis. There are references of transfigurations in, in popular culture. If you uh, watch any of the Harry Potter movies, they teach a class on transfiguration. Uh, Julie knows what I'm talking about. Uh, in Lord of the Rings, if you, if you put the ring on in Lord of the Rings, there's a, a transfiguration that happens. Uh, it's kind of a scary thing in Lord of the Rings. Um, Transfiguration is a story in the Gospels that's uh, recorded actually in all three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And usually when a story is in all three Gospels, it means it was really, really important to uh, the, the early, early Christians. So it's in all three Gospels. It's, it becomes an important aspect of um, significance in the early church. The second century uh, church father, Irenaeus, mentioned it. Uh, he said this about the transfiguration. He says, the glory of God is a live human being, and a truly human life is the vision of God. In the 13th century, one of the uh, greatest uh, theologians in church history, Thomas Aquinas, uh, he called it the greatest miracle. He called the transfiguration of Jesus the greatest miracle. You know, in a lot of our think about it, transfiguration, if we take it just to mean change, transformation, uh, most every story, movie that we watch involves some level of transfiguration. We love to see a character uh, begin in, at the beginning of a, a TV show or a movie, and then by the end of it, uh, there's some sort of metamorphosis that they go through, some sort of transformation. Uh, Andrea and I went and saw La La Land on Friday, and uh, the characters in that story go through a, a type of transfiguration from who they are when they meet and then who they become uh, at the end of the movie. There is a transformation that they undergo. Uh, sometimes transformation and, and transfiguration is a slow process. Other times it happens in an instant, right? Maybe you've had both experiences in your life. Yeah. Today's passage, which is obviously entitled The Transfiguration, um, comes from Matthew 17. Verses 1 through 9, uh, we'll have the, uh, the passage up behind me, or it's in your bulletin. Let's read along. Six days later, three of them saw that glory. Jesus took Peter and the brothers James and John and led them up a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes. Sunlight poured from his face. His clothes were filled with light. And they realized that Moses and Elijah were also there in deep conversation with him. Peter broke in. Master, this is a great moment. What would you think if I built three memorials here on the high mountain? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was going on like this, babbling, a light, radiant cloud enveloped them. Sounding from, a deep, sounding from deep in the cloud, a voice came. This is my son, marked by my love, focus of my delight. Listen to him. When the disciples heard it, they fell flat on their faces, scared to death. But Jesus came over, touched them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When they opened their eyes, looked around, they, all they saw was Jesus. 
only Jesus. Coming down the mountain, Jesus swore them to secrecy. Don't breathe a word of what you have seen. After the Son of Man is raised from the dead, you are free to talk. This is the word of the Lord. Um, what a strange, strange passage. Um, this story doesn't stand alone, though. It's echoing something that I think makes it make a little bit more sense if we put this story in a bit of a context. So in the lectionary, every week there's an Old Testament passage, there's a psalm, which we never read, uh, there's a gospel, and then there's usually an epistle from the New Testament. And I'm going to read the Old Testament text because the one we, that we just read mirrors the Old Testament text. So it kind of helps us if we, if we know this or have this in our mind. The Old Testament, Exodus 24, starting in verse 12, says this. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you tablets of stone with the law and the commandments which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up the mountain, went up into the mountain uh, of God. The elders, he had said, uh, Wait here for us until we come for you again. For Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Moses went up the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. The glory of, of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days. 40 nights. Can you see the, the parallels between the two passages? So for it's really important, since we're reading in the Gospel of Matthew, to, to realize that for Matthew, he brings in a ton of parallels, more than any of the other Gospels, for Moses and Jesus. So for Matthew, Jesus, in many ways, is the new Moses. So he makes a bunch of literary parallels to uh, stories about Moses, and this just happens to be so Matthew, in our, in our minds, when we, under, when we read this passage, sees Jesus as the human fulfillment, uh, divine fulfillment of uh, the person of Moses, the law and the prophets. So we have uh, some similarities. They, they both uh, meet God on a mountain on the seventh day in both passages. Uh, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Moses has Joshua. Uh, this passage is, in many ways, foreshadowing uh, the resurrection uh, it also mirrors the baptism. In the baptism passage of Jesus, uh, a voice comes out of uh, the heavens and says, this is my son who I, who I dearly love. And, it, and this is the voice from the cloud says a similar thing in this passage. Um, in the Matthew text, we have Elijah on one side, if we see this here. Uh, there's some really great art, by the way, if you look online. Uh, the Transfiguration, uh, for whatever reason, has just been one of the most uh, painted uh, stories uh, throughout the throughout the centuries, and so you have Elijah on one side, you have Moses on the other. So Moses signified the law. So if you were a good Jewish person, which Matthew is writing to a, a primarily Jewish audience, you would understand that Moses in this story represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And so whenever we have this, we have Peter, James, and John. They're scared. They're they're terrified. Which one? Do, who do you think this one is? So they're terrified, though. Uh, they don't know what to do. And what this passage signifies to us is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. So like I said, if you were a good uh, Israelite at the time, you would assume, oh, Jesus is 
here with the Israelites and the prophets, or with the, uh, with the law and the prophets. But even Peter, in our text, misunderstands. What does he say? He sees Elijah and Moses on the mountain with Jesus, and what does he try to do? Yeah, he wants to put memorials for all three of them. In many ways, uh, he misunderstands that uh, Jesus as the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets and, and sees them kind of like on an equal playing field. Oh, we should just make three memorials to Jesus, the law, and the prophets, and this is great. Like, we should just do this. And I love how the, this is why I, I love the Bible in so many ways, because it makes, it's not afraid to make sort of the heroes of the faith also look like morons, right? So Peter just totally misunderstands, and the Bible says, yes, he was like confused and babbling on, rambling like, Peter does. He doesn't really know. He doesn't really get what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's so he's confused. He doesn't really know uh, what's going on. And I think we can relate, right? I mean, a lot of times we come across things in our life, experiences, uh, sometimes sacred experiences, and we don't really know how to process them, or we misunderstand them. We read the Bible and we think, "What is going on?" story, what is God trying to tell us, and I think we can take great hope in the fact that the people that walked and followed and lived with Jesus also didn't really all the time know what was going on in their lives, and they were, you know, obviously in Jesus' inner circle. The transfiguration is, is fairly real here, um, and I think it's, dif- it's difficult, too, in our time and culture, because if we're not careful, it's easier than ever for us today to create God in our own image, which I think is why the transfiguration is really, really important. I was like sitting this week over and over and thinking, what in the world do you say about this really weird passage in Scripture? And, uh, you know, I was reading different things this week to see what other scholars and people wrote about it, and there are really not a lot of great explanations for this passage. Most people try to say things like, well, at the end of this passage, Jesus, uh, you know, walks down the mountain with his disciples, and that uh, Peter misunderstood what was happening on the mountain, and Jesus kind of says, you know, we need to go back down to the mountain in community to live. So the important lesson is that we need to live down from the mountain in community, which is important, but it doesn't really explain what's happening in the transfiguration moment, why this is important, why so many people throughout history thought that this was important to do unbelievable works of art, and to really examine what happens in these moments in life where uh, transfiguration happens in this mysterious, mystical moment where the uh, divine breaks into the world. And I think that's important to kind of sit with and wrestle with and be uncomfortable with. What do we do in these moments where the divine breaks into our world? And it's important because, like I said, it's really easy in our day and age to make God into our own image. Oh, God looks like us, God thinks like us, God uh, shares our same politics, and if we're not careful, God can look a lot like us, right? No? Okay, it's just me. Uh, God can look a lot like us. Um, in, in the transfiguration moment is this really difficult moment where God breaks into the world and reminds us that God is mysterious. God is bigger than what we can make up in our own lives and minds. Um, Richard Rohr 
Franciscan priest says, your image of God creates you. Uh, yesterday, uh, the, uh, at CPAC, if anybody's familiar with CPAC, uh, the Conservative Political Action Conference, um, they had a session entitled, this is for real, this is for real, this is real life. They had a session that said, if heaven has a gate, a wall, and extreme vetting, why can't America? God can oftentimes, if we're not careful, take on our own image. God can, we can craft God into our own likeness. Um, which is, like I said, why the transfiguration comes in and God breaks in in a mysterious moment. We're just so confused. Um, the atomic bombing of Hiroshima uh, was the world's first use of weapons of mass destruction. The bomb was entitled Little Boy, interestingly enough. Uh, Hiroshima is a seaport town, like 250 people at the time, and in an instant, 100,000 were either killed or died within a few hours. Uh, another 100,000 were critically injured. Of the city's 150 doctors, 65 were killed, and the rest were too injured to, to work. There were 1,780 nurses in Hiroshima. 1,654 were killed or too injured to work. Oddly enough, the bomb was dropped on Transfiguration Day. Um, Jesus' face shined like the sun in this Matthew passage. And when he came down the mountain, oddly enough, he healed a little boy. Uh, but when little boy bomb shined like the sun over Hiroshima, thousands of little boys and girls were burned in atomic fire or poisoned. Um, the bombing of Hiroshima, in many ways, was anti-transfiguration. Happened on transfiguration. Um, the transfiguration was a turning point in the life of Jesus and a turning point in human history. The, transfigure, the transfiguration experience of God in the cloud calls us to a mysterious God, one that breaks in and transforms us according to God's reality rather than ours. We celebrate, the transfiguration day is a, is a day of celebration, it's a day of feasting uh, in God's beloved Son, his revelation, God's promise of presence, incarnation, we carried that from Christmas to now, and revelation was the epiphany period of the last seven weeks that we talked about, a, a revelation to bring hope, salvation, and justice through the person of Jesus, and it also invites us to listen. The passage where God comes in the cloud in the text, at the very end, a voice from the cloud says, listen to him. Listen to him. Jesus is what God has to say to us. You have Moses and Elijah on, on either side, and Peter wants to erect a monument or a memorial for all three of them. And then the voice comes out of the heavens and says, listen to him. So, when the law of Moses, which we learned last week, says eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? 
the Mosaic law would say eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Listen to him. When Elijah, he asked God to uh, come down from heaven and uh, burn up his enemies. Jesus says, love your enemies. Listen to him. N.T. Wright says this, Suppose that, after all, the ancient Jewish story of God making the world, calling a people, meeting them on a mountain, suppose that this story were true. And suppose this God had a purpose for this world and his people, but now had reached a moment of fulfillment. Suppose, moreover, that this purpose had taken human form, and that this person concerned <coughs> concern was going about doing the things that God spoke of God, that spoke of God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, of God's face and human face coming together at last, of God's time and human time meeting and merging for a short, intense period, of God's new creation and the present creation somehow knocking unexpected sparks off one another. It is within such a set of suppositions that we might make sense of the strangest moment of all at the heart of the narrative when God's glory comes down not to the temple in Jerusalem, not on top of Mount Sinai, but onto Jesus himself in shining splendor, talking with Moses and Elijah, drawing the law and the prophets together in a strange time of fulfillment. Listen to him. But, as we said earlier, the mountain is no place to live. We have to always go down from the mountain from this transfiguration moment. God shines through in a mystical experience, in both passages, the passage of Moses and the Transfiguration passage today, calls us back down into life together in community. But that's next week. That's next week. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the Transfiguration, that it calls us to question the image of God that we've created. A God that might look like us, sound like us, believe like us, be interested in the same things that we're interested in. A God that calls us to country or to uh, financial structure. celebrate your mystery, we celebrate that you reveal yourself to us in the person of Jesus, that no matter where we are, that you promise to reconcile and restore and to save those on the margins of society, those that are grieving, those that are poor that if we ever find ourselves in one of those situations that we know you're present. We thank you for this community. We thank you for your love and grace in our lives. 
also are changed. That we see you more clearly. That we can eliminate the distractions that uh, water down the teachings of Jesus um, so that they're more controversial. We're incredibly grateful for the life and the breath that you've given to us this day. Let's stand together and let's sing together. Cause our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, yes, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And what could stand against? for us, then you could ever stop us. And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then you could ever stop us. And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Oh, you're always with us. 